You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. I remember as a, as a kid sitting in this church so many years, uh, that, that evangelists would come, visiting preachers would come, uh, many others from, from different times and for different reasons. But one of the ongoing things that was found within those messages uh, is that we were running out of time. That was kind of a constant, especially among the evangelists. It was a message that we're running out of time. Uh, so from so many of those messages from my childhood, I heard those words and they were absolutely designed to make me afraid and to motivate me by that fear. You know, running out of time, okay, what does that mean? Especially to a kid. The message of that day made me, uh, I guess, specifically urgent that today might be my last day. And that was the full intention. Trying to motivate someone to action or to be saved was, okay, what if this is your last day? So, it was pretty consistent that as those visitors would come, the message would find it someplace that we were running out of time. Well, here's the reality of those messages, that they were right in the simple truth that we are running out of time. Our future and the length of our days is only known by one. His name is God. It's not us. So my reminder of this thought today that we're running out of time is not designed to bring fear of, of doom and gloom, but to simply express a present reality. We don't have today as much time as we had yesterday. No more complex than that. We're running out of time. We know Jesus is coming. We know that day sits in front of us somewhere, and we know every day we're getting closer to that. So we're running out of time, whether it's because of our individual exit, when we go, when it's our time to go, or whether it's this corporate departure that we call the rapture. We, we do understand, once again, that time is changing and that we're running out of time. We're told clearly in Acts 1, chapter, Acts chapter 1, verse 7, that it's not for us to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in His power. So once again, He knows and we don't. So again, I'm not trying to create any kind of message of fear, except just to make the point. <clears throat> the primary question that the pastors were trying to get us to consider is what are you going to do with the time that you have left? That was, that was their point. What are you going to do with the time that you have left, no matter how long it is? And is one of those things going to be salvation? Are you, are you going to make sure that you're saved? Or are you going to make sure that you're witnessing? Are you going to make sure that you're busy? All of, those, all of those things were designed in that question, in that statement, we're running out of time. What are you going to do with the time you have left? Well, I want to ask a little bit different question. And it's a, it's a very real one, a very powerful one, and one that I'm not sure we even consider. Maybe especially the younger we get are, the, the less we consider this. But here's the question that I want to ask you this morning. Will you be present 
in the future that God has for you? Will you be present or will you be absent? And you, it's clearly a choice whether, you go, whether you're going to be found in the future that he has designed, the future that he has in his heart, or the future, are you going to be absent from it? Are you going to be present in it? And I will tell you across board, most, even within the believing world, even within congregation sitting in churches this morning, most people will be absent from their future. Sounds odd, doesn't it? That we would even consider that possibility that we could be absent. Again, it's just a little bit ridiculous to ask whether or not I will be present in the future that he has for me. But the question is real. It needs to be answered, and it needs to be answered by you. I'm going to address two things. This list is much longer than this. But I'm going to address two things that cause us to be absent from our future. The first is, is one that we would absolutely expect. Probably the number one thing that would cause us to be absent from our future is fear. We often look at that which we do not know, that which is unknown in front of us. And again, the illustration I would use is that if you're driving in a car, and you only get to use the windshield five minutes out of every hour. The rest of the time is busy about what's going on in the car or looking in the rearview mirror, but out of every hour, the windshield is only clear for five minutes. How fast are you going to be going? I'll go fast for five minutes, but I'm not going anywhere for the rest. Because the uncertainty of what's in front of me will always cause me to slow and cause me ultimately to stop. The uncertainty of what's in front of us, if we can't see it, if we don't embrace it, if we don't see it coming and know it's there, then we will, we will slow to a stop. We've been out here in West Texas long enough. I know what it's like to get caught in one of those sandstorms when I can't see. We, we do what we always do, we, you know, Jan and I came through a hailstorm from ropes coming home the other day and could not see. We could hear plenty, but we couldn't see anything. Why do we get slow? Because the uncertainty of the future. Fear of the unknown in front of us will absolutely cause us. Now, you know, what will happen, the future is still going to be going. Time's going to still be moving. Time will be passing. We will just, because of fear, be sitting still. And I'm going to talk again specifically about one thing that fear does. Though it has many faces, it looks many ways, I'm going to talk about one. I want to talk about the fear that causes us to limit ourselves in almost every way. Most of us, or if I would say it the other way, very few of us are living in the fullness of what God has for us right now. It's not only are we going to be present from the future. The question is, am I present for my present situation, in my present story? I will tell you the limitations that fear creates are powerfully real because most of us are living small versions, limited versions of what God has for us. We're limited in our thinking. 
We're limited in our imaginations. We're limited in our emotions. We're limited in our ideas and our plans. We're limited in our own self-image and self-worth. We're limited in our dreams and visions. We're limited because of religion that has slowed us down and bound us up. But each boundary built in our minds reduces our willingness to step into the future that God has for us. Every one of those limits, everything that causes us to hesitate makes me slow in stepping into the future that God has for me. We have these very innate and basic questions. I would ask most this morning, and I wish I had a gauge that would actually tell this. I wonder how many believers are actually living in the freedom Jesus died to give us. How free can I truly be? Can I be free from yesterday's brokenness? Can I be free from, from, from anger that happened two weeks ago or two years ago? Can I actually live free of the sin that, I, that, that concerns me? Do we actually live free? If we don't, why not? It's because something in, in the limitations of how we see God and how we see ourselves are causing us to live in some version of bondage when freedom has been completely and ultimately paid for. We ask these kind of questions. I, can I truly know how much God loves me? Now we can say the words. We can truly say, I know that God loves me. And I can even articulate as we do here. I know how much he, he loved me enough to give his son for me. I know that. How much can he love me? How much of that can I actually experience? If, our, if we don't have those limitations in our thinking, in our emotions, in our dreams, in our visions, if I don't have those limitations that fear creates, I will know that he loves me for God so loved me. How much can I trust him? You see, the only thing that stops us, limits us from knowing that we can fully trust him with what's happening in my story today, what's happening in my life tomorrow. The only thing that stops us from completely trusting him is the limitations that fear has created. The disappointment that we might have ultimately felt at some point will create these limitations. How good is God? We ask that question. How good is he? If this is going on in my life or I see this going on in the world, how good is God? We will never understand that. He said, taste me and see that I am good in Psalm 34. He wants us to know fully the goodness of God. What's stopping us as believers sitting in this congregation today in our personal lives from experiencing the fullness of all that God has is that fear at some point created limited thinking within us, limited emotions, limited beliefs, limited dreams and hopes, a limited self-image, <clears throat> and it's separating us from the future that God has for us. Do you realize, do we realize that in our future, I'm just, I'll just pick on Zach this morning. Zach, do you realize that, that in your future, 
There is a lost person who walks in darkness. Can you believe that? Can you believe that there's a person with a broken heart that needs to be mended? Can you believe that there's a person who is alone? Can you believe that in your future, there's a blind person who cannot see? What happens to that person if you're not in your future? Nothing. To that person who is lost, who's going to tell them if you're absent from your own future, who's going to tell that lost person your sins are forgiven? See, this matters. When we won't step into the future that God has for us, there's going to be somebody who's been praying, God, send me someone. And I'm stuck, absent from that future. Who's going to tell them your sins are forgiven? To that person who's broken heart that won't mend, who's going to tell them that I don't condemn you either? For the person who's alone, who's going to tell them I'll never leave you or forsake you? For the person who's blind, who's going to tell them receive your sight? If we're absent from our own future, who's going to tell those? Who's going to speak the word of God? Who's going to love the stranger that needs to be loved if I'm absent from the future that God has? If I'm limited by the thoughts, by the emotions, by all the situations that have ever created the boundaries around me when Jesus died on the cross, and we know this to be true. There's, we don't question these things. He died. Go to Isaiah 61 when he says the spirit of the Lord was upon me. He's talking about himself to do what? Open prison doors, set captives free, to set at liberty those who were bound. Every word that he expresses is about freedom. The freedom to be present in our own story. I will tell you this morning, some of you sitting here in this congregation can't even be present here. Uh, it's happening right now. It's, it, this is it's no surprise. We're, we're somewhere else. We've got limitations. We've got boundaries. Our minds have gone. When God has a word, and I tell you, this is a word from him. This isn't from me. And we can't be present in the moment as God is, is in the Holy Spirit is delivering the message right now. I will assure you, the world is hungry to hear him hungry to see him, hungry for those who will step into their future so that someone will tell them your sins are forgiven. Someone will tell them you're not forsaken, you're not alone. Someone, someone will tell them that this is the healer. This is the God that loves us. This is his announcement to us, and we know it well. All of us could quote it. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power of love, and of a sound mind. I will assure you those three things, power, love, a sound mind, will thrust you quickly into the future that God has for you. The second thing, I kind of did these because these were the biggest two that the Lord showed me the two biggest things that cause us to be absent from our own future, 
Fear being at the top of that list. The second thing that causes us to be absent from the future he has planned for us was largely shared a few Sunday nights ago in a sermon that we listened to by T.D. Jakes. The sermon, if you want to listen to the podcast, and I would certainly encourage you to do it, as to just, if you look on your phone in the podcast, just put in Mama Don't Look Back, and it'll bring up this 29-minute sermon by T.D. Jakes. And again, I would really encourage you to listen to it. From Luke chapter 17, verse 32, Jesus, quite strangely, in the New Testament, never said, I want you to remember Eve. I want you to remember Sarah. I want you to remember Rebecca or Rachel. I want you to remember Esther. We never hear Jesus mention any of these great matriarchal women of the Old Testament. But he does mention one. He does mention in Luke 17, verse 32, one woman that he wants us to remember. He says, I want you to remember Lot's wife. Now, I don't know why she didn't rate having a name put in there. History does not know her name. Scholars have looked. They cannot find the name of Lot's wife. No one knows. But but that didn't stop Jesus from saying, remember Lot's wife. Now, I want us to understand this morning why, out of all that he said and all the people that he could have acknowledged, why he said, I want you to remember Lot's wife. Remember the story. Lot and his wife, his family lived in Sodom and Gomorrah, and it was evil. The evil described there is beyond even what we see in the world today. So evil that, that and, and Lot asked, if, if I can find 50 righteous men, would you spare it? Yes. Couldn't, out of a city of, I don't know how many thousands or hundreds of thousands, couldn't find 50 righteous men. So it gets down to what if I can find five? Would you spare the city? Yes. And he couldn't find five. So we can see the complete deprivation of this, of this, of this city. So God said to to Lot and his wife, I want you to be ready because before I destroy this place, I'm going to provide for you a rescue. And he says, I want you to be ready. And he didn't really give them many conditions, but he said, I'm going to give you a mountain. And on that mountain is your safety, is your security, is your provision. Everything that you need for your future is there. The full provision is in front of you. He says, I just, I'm going to ask one thing. What's the one thing? We know what it is. What is it? Don't look back. Because there was something in the looking back that was so detrimental, so harmful, so hurtful, that it would, that it would cause Jesus to say, remember Lot's wife, because somewhere in the journey, From Sodom to the mountain, what happened to Eve? What did she do? She looked back. No one knows. No one with any clarity knows what she looked back to see. Did she just want one last look at the house? Did she just want one last, you know, is is somebody stealing my stuff? 
I don't know what nobody knows. But T.D. Jakes does a wonderful job of describing that in her home, with her husband and with her children, she was designed to be the presence of salt. Because salt in that day was extremely valuable for preservation, purification, cleaning, for all, for all they used it for, salt was remarkably valuable. And she was designed by God to be the presence of salt to her husband, to her family, to her friends, to the neighbors and everyone around her. But something happened because this woman who was designed to be the presence of salt, when she looked back, what did she become? She became a pillar of salt. I want us to understand something powerfully necessary. She at that point, as a pillar of salt, became a fixed point. There's something unique about letting our lives be determined by things behind us. If my view, my vision is about something behind me, I too today will become a fixed point mentally. I will become a fixed point emotionally. I will not be able to move. Again, go back to the windshield illustration. If there's, you know, if the future's in front of us, where we're going, the destinations, the plans, the vacations, the work that we're going to, if all of a sudden we couldn't see that, we too, because all we could see would be behind us, would cause us to become a fixed point. Now, I will tell you, most of us have such a view backwards. Our minds and our emotions are captured by so many things that are in our past that we don't even recognize it, that we have become a fixed point just as Lot's wife did. And Jesus is saying, please, please, look at this. Luke 17, 32, remember Lot's wife because he knew that the outcome for her would be the outcome for us. Why would he say it if it wasn't a real warning? If our minds are still captured and our daily activities are controlled by things that are behind us. So she became a fixed point. Looking back caused her and us to become fixed in our thoughts and our emotions, immovable, stoic, and absent from her future. She's now absent from that future that God had planned for her, her husband and her family. And T.D. Jakes makes a great point. We know how the story goes. They go on without her. The two daughters get Lot drunk. This is T.D. Jakes' graphic way of describing this. He said, when... Lot rolls over in bed to the place where his wife should have been, now absent. The two daughters are there. And both of them are pregnant soon by their father and out of them come two despicable nations. Absent from her future. From the place that she was supposed to hold, 
the place that God had established for her next to her husband in relationship to her, to her two daughters, she was absent from her own future, held in this pillar of salt simply because of one thing that would bind her and binds us. So why this strange warning from Jesus? Because he knew that we are, he knows what we are discovering right now. Looking back will freeze us mentally and, an, and emotionally in a dungeon. And that's the best way I can describe it. Where the scenery never changes and the heartaches are always present. Bound up by some childhood, by some situation, by some former relationship. Bound up. Wondering why the scenery never changes and why we're stuck. Why this strange warning from Jesus? Because looking back will cause our future decisions about what's next in our lives to be less likely shaped by God who sees our future and more likely shaped by the past that's behind us. When you're making a decision, big ones, life-changing ones, small ones, middle-of-the-road ones, how much time do we spend asking God for the direction of that future? Gaining his, the insight from the one who knows what our future looks like, he can already see it, the one who could certainly be trusted, but if I, am, if, if I have a look back, I will assure you that the decision I make next will be much more bound up in what's happened to me in my past than the hopes of what can happen with me in my future. Most decisions are made because of things that happen behind us and not the hopes of what God can do in our future. Why this warning? And this is a big one. Because in our illustration of a river and the church being a river and we're in that river, we are flowing. The Holy Spirit, by His very nature, will move us. What do we call a fixed point in a river? What do we call it? We call it a dam. And I've watched this routinely, regularly in my office, in the visits that I have with people, when when that dam begins to form because they're, they're, they're fixated and their life is determined by things behind them, they become that fixed point and, and all the blessings of God that were designed to flow to them and through them into their future are now backed up behind what? They're backed up behind that dam. And we're wondering what's happening in my life. It seems dry. It seems barren. It seems unfruitful. It seems unproductive. It's because we got stuck, because we look back, became a fixed point in the river, and the blessings of God are waiting on a breakthrough, waiting on that dam to break so that you're set free from the looking back and your, your eyes can be fixed once again into that future. And you will be amazed. I've seen it time and time again. I'm speaking not only from personal experience, but witnessing it in so many that are set free. I watch them. When that freedom comes and the future becomes real to them, that they'll see those blessings begin to flow freely to them once again. 
They've always been there. God did not withhold them. They got stuck behind this fixed point because we have a look back. And I will assure you, it causes us to be absent from our future. So what if you're in a place? I want to address two things before I, before I conclude. <clears throat> what if you're in a place where you have suffered great loss of a spouse, a parent, a child, or a dear friend? Is it wrong then to look back? The answer is absolutely not. It's not wrong. Looking back is going to be a very, very real part if you're in that situation. However, I have to put the however in there. If we don't let the Holy Spirit walk with us in that grief and restore us and heal us, then we will become a fixed point and unable to move even slowly into the future that he has for me. I will become paralyzed by that unattended grief. Is grief real? Is it sadness real? Absolutely. And is it going to cause us to often reflect and look back? Certainly. And I would never say that there's anything wrong with that look. But I will say that the Holy Spirit in the middle of my grief will allow me to move, will allow me to move even slowly forward unless the only view I have is backwards. <clears throat> if, the, if my only view is what I've lost, if my only view is, 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 is the sadness behind me, then I will unintentionally become paralyzed by that unattended grief. If I let the Holy Spirit invade that grief, He knows me and He knows how to move me slowly forward. He knows how to love me forward to bring hope again so that I can see a little more in front of me so that my future also becomes real to me and we're not stuck in the unattended grief. A second group, what if it's you whose heart's been broken by some angry or bitter or stubborn or hateful person in your past, and it was so violent to you that you're stuck back there. I will tell you the same thing. It's necessary for a moment to look back because we need to find the source of where that hurt is coming from so that we can deal with it. But the look back should be momentary so that, so that we can actually then, by the work of the Holy Spirit, begin to move forward so that that unattended brokenness won't cause me to be paralyzed and sitting in a place where my future ends up being absent from me. I don't even, I'm absent from what God has planned. I know this morning. I don't know how, I don't know how God will use this. I don't, that's not, that's not my responsibility. How God will deliver this to your heart. But my suspicion is that most of us sitting in here are still largely or maybe just slightly encumbered by something behind us that is causing us to be absent partially or sometimes totally from the future that God has. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.